Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. Oh, it's always fun when you have some technical challenges and we had a storm and lost some power. And that always is a scramble trying to get things going again. You know, I thought Brian and I might have jinxed ourselves earlier when we said, oh, we're so desperate for rain. We'd even take just a small amount of hail if we could get a good rain. Well, we got just what we wished for. We got a little bit of hail that came along with this last rain. Now, some farmers in our area got it much worse than we did. But we did have a couple of fields that got hit pretty hard. And it's one of those things when you get late late in the season, you just aren't really looking for storms anymore when you've got pods on the beans and you've got corn trying to make ears. And uh, all of a sudden we've got some corn plants that are that are stripped of their leaves all the way down to the to the ear. It could be worse, could have been complete loss, but but uh, that's a little frustrating. And then you see bean pods on the ground. That's never a good sign. You can see the instant amount of yield loss with that. So we may talk a little bit about hail and storm damage on today's program. One of the things too this week, and we've been talking a lot about spider mites all week, and of course that generates a lot of feedback and a lot of other folks are, are fighting that. It was just over, uh, just last night I had a chance to visit with some of our neighbors and they were talking about spider mites as well on their farm and, and just some of the observations they had. And I thought this one was interesting. We got talking about green snap, which fortunately this year we haven't seen much of. I, I guess I haven't seen how much green snap there was as a result of this storm. This storm that went through had 70 mile an hour winds is what they, they estimate. But they were talking about green snap, and this is from a couple of years back. They said, you know, a couple of years ago when we had some snap, it really, it really was much worse in any area that we've historically fought compaction. And they said even as far as where you could see tire uh, tire tracks following like a grain cart that had run kitty corner across their field, which wasn't a normal practice of them, but for whatever reason they had one pass that that somebody cut right across the field and they said we had green snap right down that path. So that was that was pretty amazing to them. And, and I think it is interesting how it all ties together. Earlier this week, we were talking about soil health and we had a soil health program and just talking about how all those things, you, you think one may not be related to the next, but they, they all are when it comes to farming. There's no doubt about it. With the dry conditions in some areas and, and you know, here we go again, we got a rain where there's roughly an inch of rain that hit a good portion of our farm. There are others that got two inches, and then there's others just a few miles away that got zero. And, man, the a couple of the guys that got zero had lighter soils and needed the rain even worse than we did, and I just feel bad for them. They're only a few miles off from, from getting it too. But um, it, it's just one of those things where you've got conditions in the soil that that change your need for moisture and, and how timely those rains have to be. We often hear from folks uh, well, like Kevin Matthews that we talk to quite often out in North Carolina, and he always says we're just, uh, just a little bit of time away from a drought, and you just miss rain for a certain amount of time, and it's, it's trouble real fast. And Farmer Friday, today we're going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions. Hopefully you're in a lot better mood than me today after, after catching a little hail here, but uh, if you've got an agronomic question, you want to talk about just what conditions look like on your farm, we would love to hear from you at 844-44-AG-PHD. Also, you can always email us, and we've got a number of emails that we'll get through as well on the program today, radio at agphd.com. 
So when we get into August, we often say August rains make soybeans. And we've got a lot of farmers that, that have already commented that did catch some of those rains that, man, that was a, a savior for us. And that's certainly going to help us fill a lot more of these pods. We still have flowers on a lot of these beans. They still got more potential. And the other thing that we see on soybeans is the, the varieties that put those top clusters on. And often you see that really showy top set of pods on soybean plants and catching the the rains late in the season like this is really important for those types of things and also protecting from insects we we've been talking a lot about spider mites but there are also other insects out in fields now this year hasn't been a big soybean aphid year at least in in our region but we have been looking on the lookout for other bugs primarily it's been grasshoppers in the dry weather but we've seen Japanese beetles and some stink bugs and a number of other pests out there, bean leaf beetles. And in the corn, we've seen a number of different pests as well. Uh, had uh, uh, a few growers that we know further south talking about armyworms and what a challenge that was this year. It, it's just one of those things. You don't want to get to the fourth quarter of the game here and all of a sudden a bug or a disease or a problem like that that you could potentially manage takes away some of that yield. So we'd encourage you to keep scouting out in those fields. Also for the growers who have already harvested, we're starting to get some of the new soil samples through and some of those soil sample questions. And that's pretty exciting for me. I was just watching an Ag PhD TV show that we're putting together this morning with the guys and we were talking about some soil sampling things on there. It kind of got me hungry for for all those fall activities that are going to happen on our farm that are just right around the corner. So we've got silage coming up in just a couple of weeks silage cutting and after that we'll we'll get right into that soil sampling and the beginning of the 2022 crop which is pretty cool uh says we're late in the season here many of the applications have been made but uh, the plan's already starting for 2022 like i say not just with fertility but even with some of the crop protection things that happened this year we saw a lot of carryover in the drought prone areas from last year's applications that went on, some of them timely, some of them a little bit later. So certainly going to watch that as we get uh, at the beginning of next year and as we start making those herbicide plans. What got used out there last year if you didn't catch rain? What could potentially be lurking and make an impact on the 2022 crop? It's a Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back after this. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. 
Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Had a storm roll through our area, but how about our neighbor to the east, Tony Wendler over in Iowa with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, how you doing? I'm doing excellent today. Did you guys the, catch uh, did you guys catch some rain? We uh we well the way it worked out by the computer, I got three tents here at my house and the computer says I got a tenth at the farm. So uh we were right on the south edge of that storm that rolled through yesterday. All right. Yeah. This year. We caught a little bit of the hail, a little bit of the wind up here. We weren't super happy about that, but we were happy about the inch of rain that came with it. And I got thinking about this. You know, we often talk about grain bins when we're talking with you, Tony. For for the guys that caught that hard, heavy rain like that, um, do we have any issues? I mean, obviously there's a lot of winds. So you want to check all your equipment and your lids and everything else on the bins to make sure something didn't blow off and cause a problem. But is there anything else you do after a storm around grain bins or around the farm? Well, I, like I say, check your lids. Um, if you've got older bins and uh, back in, uh, what was it, 1819, those wet years, uh, I had some issues with this is uh, your vents on the top. How good's your caulk? Uh, when we, those years we were just getting rain continuously, I found out a few of my vents uh, need to be recalked on top and uh, enough water was coming through that that was, uh, getting the damage in some corn. So you've got uh, a few things like that. Wind uh, can peel some sheets off bins. It's not, doesn't happen that often, but it happens often enough. Yep. It yep. Uh, hooks underneath and peels them loose. Yeah, I know for and, us at the bottom and, of grain legs, Tony, is something too that we want to just clean water out. And if there's ever even a handful of soybeans there that, <laughs> that start getting nasty in that, that wetness at the bottom, it, it can stink to high heaven. So we, we just like making sure that's all cleaned out too. Yeah. The, uh, having, a, having a grain leg that sits above ground is way better than like what I've, I've got one in a pit and I – I think that was one of the biggest mistakes I ever got talked into. I uh, wish the thing was above ground and the auger had a, uh, an angle to it to tip up above. Uh, that's uh, it's a terrible place down in the pit to have stuff. You, you get an inch of rain and that thing's going to have uh, water around it. And there's always enough grain spilled. The sump pump is plugging. So it's a, uh, it's not a very, uh, very nice environment at all. No, no, that's for sure. All right, what are what are the topics that you're having right now? Are you are you talking mostly with neighbors around harvest type issues, or or what's going on? 
here's an issue. I'll just kind of bounce off and see what your thoughts are. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of what I told him. I had a gentleman call in here a couple of days ago and, uh, we we're, we we're talking about monitors, monitoring green. And, and one of the things that, uh, they were, uh, interested in, in putting uh, controls in the bin, uh, really large bin, 180,000 bushel bin. Uh, they were dumping corn into it at 17%, having at in 70 degrees. So they had partially cooled it, dumping it uh, basically wet in a very large bin. And they said they've had a uh, problem here. Halfway through the bin, they would have a strip of uh, damaged grain. And my comments to that were uh, the um, I naturally air dry. And at 17%, for practical purposes, they were naturally air dry in that huge bin. The, uh, my experience is grain depth is a big factor in natural air drying and, and too much depth is a bad thing. Uh, with the uh, axial flan- fans, 18 to 20 feet of grain depth with centrifugal, and I have no experience with centrifugals doing this. Centrifugals, I'm told that you can go 24 to 26 or eight feet of grain depth. Uh, this thing had like 60 foot sidewalls. And halfway up, I'm thinking that front at that point, your uh, ability to push that front is becoming so limited. They probably quit and shut the fans off before they had any chance of getting it uh, clear to the top, which to me, I'm almost wondering if it would be close to never. I, I know that the the ability to push that front really slows. But what he was describing, I'm thinking, is this front stalled. And uh, if, uh, if he would have dumped that corn hot, at uh, say something a little south of 100 degrees and blew air on it, that uh, moisture might have come out with the heat. But uh, the fact he was cooled down to 70, which a lot of us harvest corn at 70 degrees, I think the uh, at that point he's just a natural air dryer and uh, no advantage of heat. And there the front sits and uh, the corn rots in a layer. Uh, you have any thoughts on that? No, no, that's interesting though, and I. I think a lot of folks are really struggling about this topic and trying to figure out they don't really understand what's happening in the bin and, and what's going on. And everybody just gets so worried about, well, I just got to harvest and I just got to run my equipment well. And I try to minimize any loss out in the field. But once it gets in the grain bin, it's like, I've done my job. It's in the bin now, but no, we're only halfway home. Now we got to take care of that grain all the way through. So no, it's why we like talking with you, Tony, because you, you bring up ideas like this and, and you're always talking to folks, getting the tough questions, thinking what's going on in my bin, and and it generates a lot of interest from our listeners. They they get thinking, well, wait a second, what about my bin and how we're doing things? And uh, that's what I like. We don't always have to have the answers. Sometimes we just have to generate the conversation, get people thinking. Yeah. Now it's uh, you can put uh, components in there to monitor it, and that would help him to know what's occurring. That uh, okay. You, when I watch my monitors and I see a front approach a monitor, moisture actually increases in my perception. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but this is my perception is that front uh, has a big humid cloud right in front of it pushes. So I'll see these humidity monitors increase in moisture and then uh, the front will get right to it and it'll be about right again. And then it rapidly dries when the front's right there, it'll rapidly dry and then uh, move on past. And then you'll see the next thing as it gets to the next uh, uh, sensor layer. It'll uh, first increase slightly and then uh, even out and then drop real quickly. And the front is, you'll just see the front's going by. In this case, 
this huge bin, they can't tell it. They yeah. can't tell it till yeah. they empty it. Yep. Yeah. Well, as soon as you said 180,000 bushel bin, I thought, uh-oh, it makes me nervous. <laughs> makes me nervous. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough, and it's tough to manage those things once they get going because, man, you got so many loads. you gotta got to move out of there to get things moving. Hey, Tony, we got to run, but really appreciate the discussion. Really appreciate the, the thinking on this, and we'll have to catch up on it again. Okay. Have a good good weekend. Good talking to you. Thanks, Darren. You bet. Thanks, Bye. Tony. Let's head down to Arkansas. I got Robert on with us right now. Robert, how's the crop there? Well, we're a little bit small, Darren, but uh, it looks pretty good right now. We can sure use some rainfall. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. That's been the story one one of the stories of twenty twenty one, I guess, at least for some guys. And it seems like the guys that are getting it are getting too much. So, well, I think it might be rather just a just a hair short than than way overdone on the moisture. That's for sure. Yeah, you you kind of know where you stand when you're overdone on moisture. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's pretty, it's pretty fine. I we always say around here that a drought will just keep pulling you in. It'll just keep pulling your resources. It'll just keep spending your money, and um, it, it it never lets up until you just have to abandon it. And by then, you know you've sunk the the whole thing. You know all of your inputs in and everything, and lost it anyway. But yeah. with a flood, it's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. Sure yeah, it's is. it's over we, fast. <laughs> hey, talk to me about the corn. Yeah. What stage is the corn in, and how far off is harvest down in your area? We're getting pretty close to harvest. Um, we're probably on maybe next to the last irrigation circuits on the, the center pivots and the furrow irrigated corn. Um, we're not quite the black layer yet, but um, we're definitely uh, hardened up and getting really, really close. Um, probably the next two weeks we'll be able to shut the water off. and uh, that's, that's on our farm. Most of the corn around here got in prior to that wet period we had um in in late april through may and so it looks pretty good um hadn't had a lot of disease pressure or insect pressure of any kind so uh we're hoping for a good harvest yeah that's one thing when it is a little bit drier we have we have less disease pressure normally and usually some different insects uh, it's been an unusual year up here we've had more spider mites than we've had insects in our fields which is very unusual for us now, that would be very unusual for us, too. I don't know that we've ever had an incident with spider mites. Um, we have in our, our pasture farmers, our, our uh, forage farmers around here have had a really hard time with armyworms. Ah, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been reading about like, that. Yeah, they like hot, dry weather, and, uh, man, they can move across a, a grass meadow in no time. We've talked about armyworms on the show a number of times, and Brian's got some pretty good stories about that, too, and how fast things can go. Hey, Robert, we got to run. Thank you so much, though. Really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, Updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. 
Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We call the email section the uh, Ag PhD mailbag. And Mark, can we get can we jump to mailbag right now? Mailbag time. Questions. Answers. Brian, Darren, mailbag time. Yeah. Mailbag. All right. Uh, first one comes in from Joe in Minnesota, and he said, Guys, I, out of one of my soybean fields, I had what I thought was SDS, or sudden death syndrome, but my agronomist tells me it's brown stem rot. Can you talk about that? What's different between those two diseases? How can I tell out in the field and what can I do to manage brown stem rot if that, in fact, is my problem? Hey, thanks, Joe. Really appreciate the question. And yeah, this time of year, we do get a lot of questions around brown stem rot versus sudden death syndrome. And how do you tell those two apart? The foliar symptomology looks very similar. And I just had a really good conversation uh, yesterday with some folks in the ag chem industry uh, about sudden death syndrome. And they said, everybody gets excited about the foliar symptoms when it shows up on the leaves. And if you haven't seen what sudden death syndrome looks like, just download the free Ag PhD soybean diseases app. And we put that together along with the American Phytopathological Society, APS group, to um, 
share a lot of information about these different diseases. So you can just click on soybeans, click on sudden death syndrome, and you can see what I'm talking about. But on the leaves, it looks like if your hand was on fire and you just press that onto the leaf, it kind of looks like that. It looks like a, a flaming hand was placed on it. Um, and it's also what brown stem rot looks like with the foliar symptomology. And when you're looking at the two, one good way to tell them apart is to split the stem open. And generally on a brown stem rot infected soybean plant, you'll see some brown up the pith or the center of the stem. With sudden death syndrome, it's usually white up through the stem. And that's that's a good way just for a, a quick infield diagnosis of what's going on. It's probably not 100%, but it's pretty darn close. So that's what I'd look for. And then in terms of managing really either of them, varietal selection is going to be really important. And I think the sudden death syndrome, it seems like a lot of seed dealers in areas, especially in, in Minnesota and down into Iowa, are pretty good now at understanding which varieties are better at SDS than others. But sometimes with the new varieties that come out, if it's a brand new bean, they may not know that one as well just because they haven't seen that in enough locations. But uh, they get a pretty good handle on SDS tolerance. With brown stem rot, it's an actual gene. So they can test for it. Either it has it or it doesn't have it. And sometimes there'll be a couple different parents in the background of the bean, and one had it, one didn't. And so you see kind of a medium or moderate resistance level rather than a full resistance. But if you've got brown stem rot problems, look for soybeans with full resistance. There are a lot of them out there. Chances are if you planted four or five different beans on your farm, you probably have a couple of them that are brown stem rot resistant. I know on our farm we had some brown stem rot just a couple years ago, and sure enough, uh, we looked at the varieties that we had put in, and we we did plant one that didn't have resistance, and that one got hit. We hadn't seen brown stem rot in a while, but if you are seeing brown stem rot, again, split that stem open, look at the pith. If it's brown in the inside, chances are your agronomist is right on the money. All right, it's uh, another caller here from Minnesota. We've got Paul on with us right now. Paul, how are you doing? Not too bad, and you guys doing well, well? Yeah, we're doing okay. We caught an inch of rain. It came with a little bit of hail, a little bit of wind, but uh, not terrible in the grand scheme of things. How about you? Did you catch any moisture out of these uh, little pop-up storms that have come through? We have not. We've uh, had rain in every direction of us, but we're in a pocket that just remains dry. Yeah. Yeah, that's frustrating. Now, where you're at in Minnesota, heavy soils, lighter soils, how is the crop holding up? You know, the the crop is doing pretty well. Um, today now, we, we've got heavy soil, lots of clay underneath. And um, today, with the hazy sunshine, the leaves on the corn are rolled. Um, you know, so they're, they're feeling some stress. Um before we uh, made the decision, you know, to just spray fungicide on the corn, uh, this was probably two and a half, three weeks ago. Uh, I took the skid loader out and we did a, a root pit. Oh, awesome. Because I wanted to know, you know, is it worth, is it worth the fungicide sure. treatment or not? And so we went down three feet which probably isn't deep enough, but um, the corn roots went past that. They, they kept going. Um, but at, at three feet, you could grab a handful of clay and, and make a nice ball out of it. So there was moisture there. 
and uh, we did decide to spray. And um, we also found that we had a bunch of beetles in the corn. And uh, so we ended up putting a, a, a pesticide on for that, too. Sure. So I don't know. Now, you know, at the time they were forecasting rain, and the closer it got, the less it the less rain we were going to get and and they're doing the same thing to us now this weekend at one point they were talking two inches and now the last i saw they were down to eight tenths hey you'd you'd take take, eight tenths oh yeah i would take eight tenths that would uh that would freshen things up no doubt all right so talk to me about this just a little bit more is this the first time that you've done that have you guys done this in the past um, we've done it a little bit in the past. It was, it was just the, the first time it was kind of an accident. We were just digging a hole next to the field and, and we had corn roots that went unbelievably deep. And, uh, you know, that's the only other experience. I've only done it twice then you, I guess you'd say. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting. Anytime you get below ground just to see what's going on. And you mentioned you had some beetles above ground. Did you see an impact from them on the roots at all? Or did the roots look pretty good? I thought the, the roots looked pretty good, but, um, we were just seeing, um, well, I wasn't actually in the field. My son and the agronomist were the ones that were taking a look at it. And they were the ones that were, you know, if you tapped on the on the cob as it was forming, they were coming out the end of the cob, and uh, there were quite a few. Huh. Yep. Quite a few. Yep. Yeah, it's always disturbing. I know uh, some of the footage that we use on Ag PhD TV when we talk about corn rootworm beetles. Yeah, it came from one of my fields, and the guys like to give me a hard time. They're like, "Huh, wonder where we got all this footage from?" I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Point taken, guys. That was a one year <laughs> mistake. I figured it out after that, but. Uh, yeah, we, we have issues here too. <laughs> We're not immune to those kind of things, but you know, it's fun to get out there in the fields. It's fun to find stuff. I mean, and sometimes it's not good, but Hey, it's not going to be right. perfect all the time. That's how we learn. That's how we get better. So do you have time for a quick question? Sure. Absolutely. So we raised turkeys, we finished turkeys. So we spread a lot of turkey litter and I've got fields here that have been corn on corn for oh 10 years plus and they've had turkey litter for at least seven years you know every year not a lot but you know three and a half to four ton so my question is and this is probably going to make you guys cringe but i'm wondering if you know we're getting all of our fertility on the top we're not i don't do deep tillage Right, right um we typically just use a, a a regular chisel plow and not real deep, just just something to stir the soil and, and incorporate. Right. I was wondering, I'm I'm really tempted to just take, you know, twenty, thirty acres and turn it over. Try and put is that it, fertility. Is it pretty flat ground, Paul? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you aren't super worried about uh soil erosion going down the hill? Not really. Okay. I mean, I would pick and choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be uh, absolutely like you say. I if think you it would take be a tw- good experiment. 
Yeah, you take 20 or 30 acres on some flat ground. I would 100% support that. I think that would be great, and I think you're going to see a big difference on that field. Now, hopefully we catch some moisture too, because in a drought that can sometimes be a negative thing. But, yeah, I think so. Nutrient stratification is a big deal. Hey, we got to run, Paul. Thank you for the call, though. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weed Control System, just better, with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire Herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. Taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844 44 Ag PhD. We got Miranda manning the phone lines today, and Miranda said she really loves the calls. She's enjoying it, having fun back there. Mark's running the controls. Uh, Janelle taking a little time off, which is great. Glad for her that she's able to do that. Uh, and also glad for Mark. He, uh, 
is main producer for our Ag PhD TV show. So you get to do a little cross-training here and do a little radio work too. So that's kind of fun. Uh, we got Mark on the phone with us right now, our friend from Wisconsin. Mark, how you doing? Good. How are you, bud? Well, we're doing well, and I'm looking at your tissue samples. This, Okay, first of all, Mark, kudos to you. You get a blue ribbon today for, number one, sending us tissue samples and then following up with a phone call to discuss. It's exactly how we love to do things here. So for anybody listening today, if you're listening and you say, man, I've got a soil test I'd love to talk to the guys about or a tissue test or something, Please just send us the email. It's radio at agphd.com, like Mark did. It's real simple. Then you can call in and discuss it. And that way, uh, sometimes we get on a we get on a rant and we're all focused on something. Maybe it's potassium or something like that. You're like, okay, okay, I know about the potassium, guys. I really want to talk about the micros or something. So it really helps when you call in. Okay, Mark, I'm gonna I I got some some observations I've had just looking through your samples up front, but I'm gonna let you ask the question first and see where you want to go. Well, I guess I don't really know where I want to go. I think <laughs> okay. I put on about 210 pounds or yeah, around 200 to 210 pounds of supplied nitrogen. Okay. That's not including soybean credits. Uh, That's good because they don't exist. organic matter or anything like that. It was split applied um, once immediately after planting and then once when the corn was 12 to 16 inches tall okay so i thought that i mean in theory you do get a little nitrogen from your organic Absolutely. matter so i thought yep that you know between all of, with over 200 pounds supplied and the other theoretical nitrogen I thought I should be good, especially with it not being excessively rainy. And when I sent the samples in and the corn came back deficient on nitrogen, I kind of had a knee-jerk reaction of, oh, my Lord, what's going on? <laughs> well, not all of them are that way. Uh, and. And that's, this is why I think it's good to have somebody else look at your samples, too, that's not – I mean, I have no financial stake in your operation at all. I, I see, like, in uh, the field that, that you've identified, the home across uh, field, that one, yes – uh, it shows up as deficient, but you know a lot of them are showing up in the sufficient category, not high, but but, but sufficient. Those are soybeans are alfalfa that for nitrogen. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yep, yep, yep. You're right. Yep, you get different crops in here, and and yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I see what you're talking about with that. Now, I want to talk to you about the sulfur thing too, because. Sulfur seems to be a consistent one on here that it seems like you get a lot of issues with that particular field. So yep. why do you, why do you think the sulfur is an issue? Have you not applied sulfur or? Uh, usually on um, soybeans, we'll maybe put on, oh, we use your app to usually see about how much we need and usually we'll supply it with a RAS. Usually we'll... I'm going kind of by memory here a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. Okay, so you're saying that you're not applying soybeans. it to soybeans as much as you are. You're putting a no, bigger dose are, on corn? we are. We are. Uh, on soybeans, we usually apply around 
20 to 25 units, usually about one-third in the form of AMS and about two-thirds in the form of elemental. And we do that year after year to try to get it so slow release so it keeps feeding the crop throughout the year. Sure. And then, again, I don't know what happened to it. Yeah. Because... Yeah, well, it looks like looks like to me that'd be if if you said, okay, Darren, what what would you do on on this? I I would, well, for sure, I'd start splitting some fields and trying out some different rates of sulfur and just seeing, okay, let, maybe I just need to up my rate of sulfur a little bit and and get okay. just get some more out there. Fortunately, it's not a super expensive nutrient. I mean, it's not cheap to buy elemental sulfur, but. A lot of times when you're putting out something like ammonium sulfate or or gypsum calcium sulfate or uh, I mean it seems like there's a lot of sulfur that gets in if you're putting zinc out it's often zinc sulfate and you get a few pounds here and a few pounds there but I, I think I'd I think I'd try that on your farm just putting on hey let's throw on another 20 pounds let's throw on another 40 pounds and just see on part of the farm mm-hmm. uh, and see if so it makes a difference. So you're talking like. Another hundred pounds of ammonium sulfate. Yep, another hundred forty to sixty units. Correct. Yep. So another hundred to two hundred pounds of ammonium sulfate, something like that. The other thing that a guy could do is he could use something. There's a product called Access that AgroLiquid makes. I utilize some of that in the two by two, and that one's been a pretty nice one for me, where I've I've gotten sulfur reasonably close to where the seeds at without the risk of injury. I don't want to put that in furrow, but I, I like to do it in a two by two, and that works pretty good for me. I've got medium heavy soils, fifteen to low twenties on CEC, and uh, that that's been working pretty good. Uh, you know, when I look at at uh, soybeans, it looks like that's the weakness is sulfur. You know, looking at the the corn, it looks like you're getting plenty of K out there in most of the corn fields, which Brian's not in the studio today, but if he was here, I think he'd be excited about that. Hey, it looks like you got a pretty good dose of potassium out there. That's great. Uh, but man, the nitrogen one is puzzling because you're right. I mean, in some of these, they've, and I like this, uh, the samples just for our listeners. Uh, Mark sent them into Dairyland Labs in Wisconsin, and we do some work with Dairyland on our silage samples. They, they've been really good to work with, too. I like their yield response uh, at the bottom. So they they rate the different nutrients on, are you almost certain to get a yield response? Is a yield response possible, or is it unlikely? And when they put nitrogen in the almost certain category, that tells me I ran short of nitrogen for whatever reason. Maybe I got a great crop this year. Maybe there's some tie-up with lots of residue. Uh, I'm not certain what's going on, but I would absolutely up the rate of nitrogen. Uh, no, no question about it. Okay. Should yeah. I? Is it worth it to try to call on a plane or a ultra high spreader, <sighs> or just say we're going to do too much damage yeah. and move on? I, you know, as far along as the corn probably is now, I, I, I can tell you, if Brian was here. Brian would be like, uh, nope, not going to work. I, I think we already missed it. Uh, I don't know. I, I would be interested in it. I, I would be interested in trying a little experiment and just seeing what you could get in there. There's plenty of high efficiency, low use rate nitrogen type products for, for use late in the season, but it's, it's probably getting late. Okay. That's kind of what I thought, but yeah. 
Never heard SAS. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. We were, uh, this is probably, gosh, five or six years ago, maybe at our Ag PhD field day. Uh, David Hewlett was talking about he was going to try out, uh, you know, a precursor to the Y drop system. He, he had heard about some of this stuff and he thought, well, I don't know if that's even going to pay. And so he went out just by hand and put on some nitrogen just in enough that he could have a strip trial out in a field just to see if it would pay. And I mean, it's something that you could do too that way. If you just said, all right, I'm, I'm just going to go out by hand and I'm just going to poke a hole in the side of a five gallon pail or two and a half gallon jug and just walk alongside the row and see if Y dropping would work or, um, you have a plain buzz over and just do a couple of passes with uh, foliar and just see if that could help. Might be something to experiment with because, yeah, nitrogen and corn, um, that's that's a big, big deal. Uh, and then we didn't talk about the alfalfa. It looked like the alfalfa, you hit things pretty close to home, which which is great because alfalfa is just such a high-demand crop. But it, it looks like in the possible returns, NP and K were listed. So I, I'm not sure how long the stands are that we're looking at here, too. Hey, Mark, we're up against the break. If you want to hold on, we can talk a little bit more. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. 
heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're talking to Mark in Wisconsin just before the break about some of his plant tissue samples. Mark, thanks for hanging on there. Uh, okay, had a couple minutes to think about it, Mark. What other questions did you have for me, or what would you like me to talk about? Well, what's happening to all of these nutrients I'm putting on? I mean, like the sulfur, is there soil just that deficient that even though we're putting on removal, I mean, sulfur is a leachable nutrient. Right. So even though we're putting on what should theoretically be enough depending on our yield goal is our soil just that deficient or are our yields just that good in this particular year because we've been blessed with timely rains yeah you know it it could be a little bit of both with uh, sulfur we tend to put on a little bit more than what it's asking for just because we know we've got potential that we could lose some and we we also know we're going to get a little bit from mineralization too generally uh, a couple of pounds for each uh, percent of organic matter but it's it's just hard to say exactly what you're going to get out of that i i think about the ag phd fertilizer removal chart and looking at soybeans and let's just say what are you shooting for for a soybean yield 60 70 more um as far as a whole farm average, you know, it's probably not that high. But, yeah, on the good ground, 70 is not okay. unreasonable. Yeah. And, you know, I think you bring up a good point there, too, because there is going to be variance across the farm. And, and I'd say the same for ours. You know, we're hoping that our average is above 70, but, but we know there's going to be spots out there that yield 90, and there's going to be spots that yield 50. And so... So, yeah, we are varying our rates across our farm as to what we're doing. Let's just say 70 bushel soybeans with sulfur, the total removal is 24 and a half pounds. And that means a, a little better than 100 pounds of AMS is going to have to go out there, 110, 115 pounds of AMS, if okay. you're accessing all of the sulfur. However, okay. we know we're not. Soybeans have a small root system, and let's just say we can access 50%. Well, then we need. 230 pounds of ammonium sulfate if that's our sulfur source and the only thing that we're doing out there you just have to add it all okay. up and I, I think i would just try a little higher rates i i don't know exactly what's going on mark because i'm not looking at your crop but you got a pretty good crop coming by all accounts and it could just be that yep. man your yield is is going to be good this year okay am i too late to add sulfur on the beans well, on the soybeans, they're still making pods. I think we're a little bit late. I think at this stage of the okay. game in August on a tissue sample, you're probably looking at a next year fix. But again, on a okay. small scale, if you wanted to try to feed something, but ammonium sulfate, if it's a dry source, it just doesn't come available as fast as you'd like, I okay. wouldn't think. And then because uh, 
with nitrogen and sulfur, um, Dad never wants me to put on too much because he says, well, if it's dry, you've just lost it all. You don't, you know, it leaches out over winter. Well, some, uh, some of it the, could, but not that much. You guys freeze. Your ground is frozen, so you aren't going to lose anything over winter. But you could lose something if you had massive snow melt. That, but a lot of that runs off the top. So it's more of the rains in season that we feel like we're losing things with. And okay, I, I don't know. I I agree with them. You can't. It's not like you're going to build up your nitrogen and sulfur levels for the long term. But by the same token, you don't want to run short and lose lose yield, especially when the crop's okay. worth as much as it is. So, yeah, I just experiment. Try a couple of spots where you do some higher rates next year. And it looks to me like you need to up the rate on the, the nitrogen on corn, though, which, man, if Brian was here, he would be rubbing that in on me, Mark, because you know how addicted to nitrogen he is. <laughs> yeah, that's Brian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Mark. Um, we, really, we really appreciate what, it. One more quick oh, question. Sure. And I'll... Um, so because dad is concerned about not wasting money, does it make sense to do three applications of nitrogen? I, I don't so know that I'd make one some pre-plant one at 16 inches sure. and one at say four feet. You, you could, you could, I, I don't know that I necessarily, I guess I don't know. I'd have to look maybe at soil samples and just at the lay of your ground and what you have for manpower and everything else. I don't want your dad to keep you working all the time on this, but uh, I, I think for me, it's just be the rates that I'm putting out there that I'd be. Okay. Trying. Fair and, enough. And then your last comment, just about, he doesn't want to waste money. I think that a lot of times when we talk about wasting money, we're just looking at costs and we're not looking at lost opportunity of, Hey, you know what? If we would have had 30 more pounds of N out there, we would have got more yield and we wasted that this year. Okay. And that's, that's a shame when we had a good year and we could have had an even better crop. All right. Thank you, sir. Have you a good weekend. Thanks. You too, Mark. Uh, we've got Isaac on with us right now in North Carolina. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Okay. So is this the year that you guys finally get blessed with a decent season? Uh, in spots, in, in stretches. <laughs> I think so. You know, I think we've got a really good crop going. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you guys deserve it. You've had some, some interesting years lately to be sure. Uh, what do you think looks good out there? Is it the corn that looks good or soybeans or something else? I think that, I think the corn looks good. We had a, a drier May and just generally early in the season dry, relatively speaking, doesn't hurt nearly as much as wet. So I think the corn, we've got a good corn crop. We've had a cooler summer by, you know, Southern standards. Also, with plenty of sunny days, so I think we're looking at probably a little bit better kernel weights. And then I think that also translates into some better soybean yields, too. Just kind of the same thing. They've had a favorable season, and even the wet spells, they've weathered them fairly well. Yeah, you know, that dry early season, I agree with you on that. We talk about that a lot here, too, that if if we're a little drier early, it forces the root system to go down to go down deeper, and that almost always benefits us later on in the season. That's right. I mean, you exploring more space with your roots, more nutrient capture, just gives you more robust, more resilient plant. We're we're right on the cusp of getting started here. We're kind of in a little wet spell now, but as soon as this weather straightens out, I think there'll be quite a few combines rolling. 
Hey, we had Mark on in Wisconsin, and he's he's uh, struggling a little bit with his dad, wanting to save his way to prosperity just to give his dad a hard time. I don't know his dad. I know Mark, though. but uh, and, and he wants to put on a little higher rates of nutrients. I just My experience has been you just can't run short in nitrogen, and I'm starting to feel the same way with sulfur, that, that more sulfur is almost always better. What have you seen with those nutrients on your farm? I know you do wor- worry about leaching, and you certainly worry about wasting it there. That's right. I mean, you want to be responsible with your dollars and your penny-wise, pound-foolish, too. But And, and we're in a high-rainfall environment, so you, we'll, we'll look at our soil CECs. But generally for us, on we're going to try to balance that applied nitrogen-sulfur ratio 10 to 1, 8 to 1. We don't want to get much outside of that on on our corn and also soybeans, too. We're gonna, if we're going to run some pre-plant nitrogen, we're probably looking at an ammonium sulfate type product and then just monitor it with tissues through the season. All right. So Mark had some tissue samples here for the first week of August. It's too late to do much else at this point, isn't it? I I think so. I think it's you're gonna want to look at those as preparation for next year. Once you get too far into pod fill, pod set, you're just time that fertilizer mineralizes and the plant finds it, you're gonna be I would probably agree with his dad on this one, that he may be a little too late. Yep, yep, I agreed. But, okay, you talked about tissue samples. Do you keep taking them right up until senescence and things start turning brown, or when when do you stop taking them? We do on corn. We're going to pull them right up to black layer. That late season kernel fill is so so important. You know, it's kind of like you you don't quit coaching at halftime. You're going to make some adjustments for the second portion of the season. Second portion of the game, you want to make sure that – you've got what it takes to have a, a strong finish and really the same thing on beans. We're going to pull them all the way right on through. Yeah. I think that's a smart And, and also a portion of that too is, is not necessarily that we're going to react during the season, but so that we know for next year, Hey, we ran out of gas on this particular micro or macro. We need to craft a little bit better strategy going forward. I think too, over the years, it's all right, here's what happened to us in a dry year and what we saw late season. Here's what happened on a wet year, late season. And you kind of learn how to manage those seasons too. Exactly. Exactly. You get a feel for it as you go on. Great tips here. We're talking to Isaac down in North Carolina. Isaac, thank you so much. Thanks for sharing a lot. There's great, great stuff you had there today. And I'm so happy that you got a great crop too. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later. You bet. Thanks. Always enjoy Farmer Friday. Love getting to talk to folks all over. Thanks to everybody who called in or sent in a question today. We had a few questions we didn't get to. We'll try to catch up with those next week. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.